0: Hey guys and welcome back to it's Him with you, Girl the whole again. How's it going? I hope you guys are doing well out there. It has been such a long week for me. Like I don't know if anyone feels the same way, but it's been a week. I feel like so many things have been done and also not have been done. So as I said before, this is Studio Ghibli Week and I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent after this a little bit some um, first thing i want to do is actually review movies and then i'm gonna go into like a personal tangent slash mind bubble that i got going on so i hope you're here for a chat so grab some water or some tea or some soda or whatever the hell it is that is that you're drinking and just relax with me for a little while because i got so much on my chest i guess so like i told you guys i have the free trial of hbo max, so I've just basically used it to watch Studio Ghibli movies. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not paying for every single Ghibli movie, even though I really do enjoy it. So the last time we talked about, like, uh, Earwig and the whole controversy with that one, but now I wanted to go back to a more traditional movies that have existed for a very long time. And some that I have never even watched so far. So I want to talk about Pocoroso, which is an enjoyable movie but on the list of things a less impressive movie. okay, so let's start with Pocoroso It is supposed to be taking time between I think it's supposed to be World War two to World War one and the whole thing is that there is this defector pig like literally a pig and uh, he wasn't always a pig in fact he was human but somehow he was cursed or blessed to be a pig while he was quote-unquote deserting the German german fleet now all racial stories aside i don't want to talk about it or really go into that i want to talk about just this story alone so, this was during the time of aviation. As we all know, a lot of the new technology does come out during world, war times. Basically, war in general. It's the highest motivator for weapons. So, at this point, they focus on aviation. And he has this very cool little like, um, personal jet plane thing that he flies. Those, you know those old school jet ones? You know what I'm talking about. I suck at all this stuff. I'm not good when it comes to aviation. Don't ask me about shit like that. But it's this little plane. And it's really hard to drive. And it's basically one of a kind. And he is kind of a bounty hunter. in this point where we meet him. He's a bounty hunter. He's been a pig for years. He has a best friend who's a girl. Who has like really attracted to him. Even though he's a pig. <laughs> and he makes his money by um, recovering stolen goods from Pirates, Air Pirates. And yeah, that's basically the story. Of course, a lot happens to it, but if I do give the plot points, I feel like I give away the whole movie. But the movie isn't really here for the plot points, it's for the feeling that it gives you. This is like a feeling-based movie, like uh, Snow White. It's not like, a, oh my god, what this story is being told. It's the way it's being told. And I think the way it's being told it's very interesting and something that I kind of appreciate because it's kind of slow paced. But it's not so slow that you feel kind of bored or like you need to skip anything. No, in fact, it's like a... How do I explain this? You're here for the scenery. You're here for the little quips and the little bonds and the little moments that make it what it is. And in fact, Porco Rosso is definitely a thing of its time because it's very like against uh, women being part of the workplace like that i don't know it's just you know it's funny <laughs> i know it's a very traditional mindset but it's just it, to me it's just stupid so uh you're gonna have to deal with my own personal opinion of that clearly but it's not something that i would say you'd have to watch or even that you should watch. But if that's something that interests you and you can watch it for free, then absolutely go ahead and do so. Because it is very pretty. But that's why I said it first. I'm like, it's not something that I'm super impressed by in any way, shape, or form. So that's why I had to kind of get it out there first. Oh, excuse me. Kiki <laughs> started playing in the background. Um, <laughs> but fuck it. I'm keeping it in because it is what it is. I'm a hot mess, 24-7. So, yeah. That was a very cute movie, but it wasn't like, ooh, I'm impressed. You know what I mean? So, that was that one. And then I have another one that I watched. And I was, like, a little bit more impressed by this one. Because I think it said a very interesting story. But it wasn't like, I loved it. It was interesting. But, it, it you know what I mean? <sighs> It's hard to explain it. It's a hard movie to explain. So I'm gonna try my hardest to like get, like, explain what I think is happening in the movie, and you're gonna have to take my word for it, okay? So it's called uh, not no, not that one. Jesus, come on now. Work with me. Work with me. Choo choo choo. Uh, no not that one S- excuse me guys I actually have to physically look for it because I don't think I saved it to my watch it's hard out here in these streets for me you know what here I'm smart I, c- I, c- I can use my freaking brain power for like two seconds how about that <laughs> okay Only yesterday. That's what it's called. And I think this story. Can be very relatable to certain people. And I don't mean everyone. I mean certain specific people. Because the story takes place in 1991. From a woman. From a. Like a woman who's like. Mid 20s to early 30s. If I'm not mistaken. They don't say exactly. Oh here you go. She's 27 years old. She's my age. Okay. That's crazy. (laughs) And it's. Um, Well, the movie was in 1991, but it's based in 1982. And this young, like, I think she would be a Gen Xer, is (laughs) living her life just kind of not really settling any roots. And honestly, like, she gives me, like, vibes that she definitely has something going on with her emotionally. Like, she's very emotionally dysfunctional. But she's... It has a good job. She's 27 years old. She's single. Not really dating anyone. Uh, This was part... This was, like, the beginning of the... um, push for Japanese people to not really have children like that. It was one of the first times in history where you really started to see that being a thing where young people really weren't engaging in like relations and like um, having children not necessarily relations but like having children Um, similar to what we're experiencing right now like we're within the first generations in America experiencing the whole big push of people who just do not have children in their 20s or even 30s so like it's kind of funny like you see the parallels but I found it an interesting movie because it's a time castle in itself and so she's 27 years old and she is working like a company blah 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 but she's going on vacation she's taking her 10 days off and going on vacation into this little countryside where she's kind of kind of go and play farmer now she's always really had a thing for doing that this is not the first time she's doing it this is a One of many times. This is just what she likes to do. She has this thing for like. Seeing the countryside. And imagining a simple life. Which is something that many people do today. We call it cottagecore. Um, (laughs) It's the same exact mentality. That's what I'm saying. It's so interesting to see it from my point of view. Because I feel like. I'm analyzing it. In a way that some people might not analyze it. So anyways. She is going to this countryside, she's, like, very enthusiastic to do things in a quote-unquote traditional, antiquated way, and just be more quote-unquote in tune with nature. Now, it's not necessarily the case, but this is how she believes and perceives her stuff, situation. And during this trip and her, you know, participating in this lifestyle... She really has her mindset on her youth and wondering how things got this way, and she's really reminiscent about like the '60s, '60s till early '70s, and how life used to be for her as the youngest child of a fam of a like middle class, lower to middle class family, uh, and Jesus, the traditional roles that some of these women had to play. I am so lucky I wasn't born back then. I don't think I could handle it. I would have been very much hanged or like cuz I'm the way the way the father talks to the mother, the interactions that they have. It just really makes me feel like shit. And I think <laughs> um, like I I see it and I feel horrible just looking at their interactions and how his word is absolute. But then I also feel terrible because she's very spoiled. Like, she does understand that she was a very spoiled little girl. Even in comparison to her own sisters. She was treated the best. She was given everything. She was the youngest, you know. And not saying that all youngest are like that one. but, But this one is that way. And she has always had a thing for doing what everyone else is doing. And everyone else gets to kind of go into the countryside and have this little, like, getaway. And she's never got to experience it. So she begs and harasses, and they're like, you know what? We'll take you to like a little one-day trip to a spa, and she makes a big deal out of it. And we basically follow her through her first, through her fifth-grade life, which is very kind of cutesy and has its moments. And you know, for anyone who doesn't know, like like fifth grade is usually a time where a lot of girls, or you know, um, biological females, tend to develop. Whether that means getting a period or growing body hair or, you know, the, d- the general things that come with um, puberty. And she kind of, like, is just remembering and reminiscing on these stories. But in the meantime, she has this young man who clearly seems to show some kind of interest in her. He's a local farm b- guy. Not I don't want to say boy because he's a grown man. And, you know, he's just kind of one of the few people still left in his town. uh, Alongside this little girl who's around the same age that she was in around fifth grade. (laughs) And it's just her kind of, how do I say this? Like, playing pretend while remembering her youth and reminiscing about being a kid. And not really letting go of that feelings. But I don't want to tell you everything in the middle because I don't feel like... I feel like that's basically the story, but I don't want to go all the way into detail because I feel like it ruins a lot of the charm. And I want to be honest, like, she's not a very likable character. Like, the main character, um, Ta- Takeo, that's her real name, not a very likable character. Um, and it's not her fault. In particular, she's not likable. It's just she's very human. And, you know, being human means flaws. And, unfortunately... She was also kind of spoiled. (laughs) And so she kind of has to realize that while she's playing pretend and having this fantasy, this young man who is actually attracted to her kind of keeps breaking apart those fallacies that she's making for herself about, oh, this is a quaint, quiet life and the and and forth. And when she's offered the opportunity to stay and pursue a relationship and get out of that, like, romanticism or or romanticization sorry I had to say the Spanish um the romanticization of this lifestyle and actually given the opportunity to go through it she realizes that she's not made for this that this whole time she was playing pretend with these people pretending she was super charmed pretending that she loved it but in her heart she knew it was just like something that she uses to escape her the reality of her life but she's not trying to leave the lifestyle she's just trying to have a little break and pretend and like play dress up of i'm this simple country girl but meanwhile in her heart she's a city girl she lives that city girl lifestyle and that's not a bad thing either and that's a It's a very interesting story for, I think, a lot of people who are growing up. And I think I watched this at a perfect age. Because even though I empathized with her, I was also very furious with how she was behaving and how she was acting. And yes, in a way, I do see some of myself in her. But I also know in my heart that I wouldn't act a certain way. And that I (laughs) tend to be more conscientious. And I think that's her biggest problem, is her lack of understanding of situations and her relationships don't last because she has this idea and fallacy in her head and her family keeps reminding her hey you're getting older like you're an adult now you have to start acting like an adult and taking the adult responsibilities and taking the adult steps and she's just like no I want to be me and I want to be a kid and I think that's such a relatable and understandable thing I mean here I am and a lot of people are trying to heal Something inside of ourselves. The child that may not have had the opportunity to exist. And to be bracing and seen in a world that pushes efficiency. And I just find it very interesting. And I find it to be a very good story that needed to be told. But I wasn't in love with it. But I did think that it was necessary for me to see it. And I do think that anyone within those age ranges of like 20 to even 40 should watch this it does say a lot about us how we agree who we agree with who we side with how we would react or how we were at one point and allow us to see back to ourselves But yeah, I found it really good. I, I, I did. I did like her introspectiveness. So that was one. Excuse me. I have to go wash this off my face now. Because I'm doing my skincare. So I'll be back in a hot second. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm back. Right now, I'm just wiping my face off. I'm just doing a little skincare for 2022. I'm going to. I'm getting older. And I have to take care of my skin even more than before. And that means way more feeling products than I'm used to. And just making sure that my skin can shine its best. Anyways, <laughs> all right. The next one I wanted to talk about, which I found to be one of my favorite kind of newer ones, is up from up on Poppy Hill. Now this one is. Super pretty and had a super interesting story and I liked it even more than all the other ones I've seen so far like today's anyways I'm kind of going in order So So this was really really good Uh, and I want to say why it's really really good okay So basically the story goes that there is this young girl and she's kind of living in this boarding house type of situation Her mom is a doctor and she's kind of always away and she's basically living with her grandma at this point. And all these young girls who are unmarried basically live here too. And she's basically taking on the adult responsibilities of her mother that's supposed to have there and her grandma because she feels like her grandma is too old to handle these responsibilities. So she takes it upon herself. So she gets up in the morning and she has a whole routine and she makes her breakfast. And very, very responsible girl. And there's one special thing that she does every single morning, without fail, whether she's sick, doesn't matter, is that she raises the flags, the naval flags, so that hopefully one day, if a father has ever lost a sea, he will come back. Now, the father went off to war, and they were told that he basically died in a tragic boat accident. And she's always held hope that maybe one day he'd see the flags and maybe he'd come home and he'd be able to find them. But unfortunately, that's not a reality because he's dead. He's dead, dead. And everyone kind of knows. But she's in like high school or whatever. And, you know, it's at the turn of the century. And when I say turn of the century, I mean it's during Japan's growth period. This is when um, the Meiji, it's past the Meiji Reconstruction Era, where um, after the war, they were kind of building themselves up again. And like, uh, how do I say this? It was their like economic boom. Where they were fixing up like places, making things more modern, making more buildings, creating more of a transit system. It was a very important like, time in Japanese history. Don't ask me (laughs) why I know all of this, let's just go with it, okay? So yeah, it's a very very important time in Japanese history. It is where the old is making way for the new. And in this high school that she's going to, it's more of a bit of a co-ed. But boys on one side, one goes on the other side. And they have this ancient building that has been there for centuries. And it is basically used as an activity room for the boys. And some of the boys kind of want to tear down and allow for a new building to come in and kind of take the place the of the old. But a lot of the students that are over there are not really for it. They want to keep it because it's a, kind of a historical landmark to many of them. And it's a passage, a right of passage to kind of make the club activities there. So you have these giant debates even between the kids themselves. So there's many plots happening, but they all kind of connect with this idea of the old, the young, the new, history and the future and where does everything meet and where where are these lines that we do not cross? Mind you, um, the boy who <laughs> the boy who's leading this charge to make sure um, this building stays away, cities up front kind of has a big crush on our main girl and her name is what was it i think her name is umi and umi yeah it's a past it's uh past world war Two. that's exactly when it was yeah and uh they're getting ready the world is getting ready for the first japanese olympics since world war Two. And so now you know the pressure's kind of on internationally to appear strong, healthy and modern and different. So, you know, it's it's very kind of the environment really makes the story super interesting. But anyways, her uh, her name is Yumi and he she has a best friend called Shun. And they kind of have a little thing for each other, and everyone kind of knows it. And they keep trying to push her, push them together. But she's a little hesitant to start a relationship because she's like, I'm trying to focus on me. She's kind of an old fashioned girl, like really old fashioned. And everyone knows that she's super responsible, and they kind of see her as like her patron saint because she's always so good and she helps inspire good things to happen and yeah so it's basically their story of them trying to preserve this building um, while also bringing it a little bit closer to the modern age so like updating it and it's also their romance story where they have a bit of a hiccup because they think that they might actually be related and they're horrified by this prospect because all his life Shun has been told that he was adopted uh they haven't hid it from him they've always said like you know that's your mother and this is your father and we love you the most but he is known that he he is adopted but there's a bigger backstory to his adoption people think that it was just uh umi's dad had an affair but the reality is completely different and i don't want to ruin it because just in case you want to see it. But it's very simple and very pretty and the backgrounds are so gorgeous and there's that classic kind of cluttery look to it which is a really big thing in like a lot of things. like it's a really big thing in Mizaki's work is like clutter because a clutter defines the person, the kind of clutter that you has have, have says a lot about you. I mean think about Hollow Moon Castle one of his defining things is his clutter. And this clutter, you see all these little things that are so important. And in, in our lives, it's the same way. That's why. I, <laughs> that is kind of why I have a distaste for minimalism. Because I'm like, minimalism is just rich people pretending to be poor. While. Wow. <laughs> like, it, it erases a lot of culture and a lot of the personality. Sorry for all the clicking sounds. It's me opening and closing skincare stuff. So I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Anyways, it's a lot of, like, um, it, it says a lot about us as people. And so the clutter that they have is clutter of centuries. And it's very important in a way. But it's also important to get rid of things that serve no purpose. Uh, I like the Marie Kondo version of things. I think it's such a interesting idea because (laughs) I mean, the only thing I don't agree with her is my books. Leave my books alone. But that is my choice. You know what I mean? (laughs) I have no problem getting rid of old clothing and shoes and donating them and old toys. I don't mind. But my books, I attach sentimental value to them. I attach my aesthetics to them. And it's something personal to me and I feel like we all should have something that we attach to. I feel like it's weird to go Through this world with absolutely no attachments. You know what I mean? It's it's a little unnatural. So there's that. (laughs) Then talking about clutter. I ended up watching Whisper of the Heart. Which I'm not going to lie. Uh, I probably should have said this one second to last. So, I'm going to save that one. Because I think it's even better than The Secret World of Arieti. Okay. The Secret World of Arieti is basically Thumbelina if Thumbelina was a thief. (laughs) And they call themselves borrowers. Okay. I know that there is an actual story and history attached to the term borrowers. I'm not sure. Excuse me which country it came from but borrowers are like little fairy like creatures that uh borrow what they need to survive and they're really tiny so they don't really usually need much but if they they're they're not allowed to be captured and like very sensitive some people don't like them or whatever that's basically the story of (laughs) that's the background that i'm aware of of borrowers uh, every country has its own version. Uh, I know Mexico; they have like the little goblins and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it's very cute, um, but it's every culture. I think every culture has its own explanation why little things go missing. So, basically, in the story of Ariete, this young boy has a heart condition. So he is sent to the country where he's from, like the countryside where he's actually from, and he has like a wealthy, you know well-to-do family they didn't go with him because they're busy working they they're not about that life they got money to make so he's on his own unfortunately and his family has always believed in these little borrowers the little fairy-like creatures so much in fact that they made a recreational completely functional home for these like little borrower creatures so, wouldn't you know it that the young boy with the heart condition ends up running across Arieti, and their paths tend to intertwine. And unfortunately, there is the old housekeeper who, for some reason, wants to massacre these little people. I don't really, <laughs> I don't understand the hate. Maybe it wasn't translated. Um, but yeah, she really hates those creatures and really wants to murk them. Don't know why. And he's no, not a bad kid, so he's trying to save him. It's an interesting little story. Um, it was weird because I felt like they were falling in love. And I'm like, um, you're a giant, sir. And this is like <laughs> bumbling it right here. Uh, but otherwise than that, it was okay. I wasn't I off. And the last, second to last one, actually. Because you know what? I changed my mind. I am ranking them as I review them. So... <laughs> Take this as my official ranking for the day. So, after that, one is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Now, that is an absolute girl boss movie. Like, absolute girl boss. In more ways than one. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how good this movie was, okay? I have watched it before. But being a child, I couldn't understand, like, the complexities to it. This movie came out in 1984. I watched it around 1996. Nin- no, 1999. That was the year that I watched it, if I'm not mistaken. And then I watched it again around 2002. I think it was a Tsunami special. And I was impressed by the beauty of the story. I was impressed by the character and, like, her strength. But I didn't really understand it until now, as an adult. So let me tell you what this movie is (laughs) about. Nausicaä of the Valley of the Wind is about this young girl named Nausicaä. And she's the princess of, clearly, the Valley of the Wind. Which was a nomadic tribe until the settled roots there by the, um perimeter of the toxic jungle the toxic jungle has become a thing due to clearly nuclear war it's not it's not exactly stated as that's the reason but you can kind of figure it out with context clues so i'm just gonna make it easier for you guys yes the reason that it exists is you know freaking radiation and this led to giant bug-like creatures who protect the toxic forest nobody knows why but if you attack one of them you get attacked by multiple of them and the most dangerous one is this giant beetle looking thing but these people live in relative harmony with them and Nartica seems to have the ability to just, like kind of talk to them and communicate with them and they tend to listen to her like at least to a basic level because she knows how to calm them down She's, like, really fucking chill, basically. And they're just like, yeah, we appreciate that. Well, I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean. And one day, all of their shit is wrecked due to two different factions of two different countries coming to war with each other. And they specifically chose to kind of fuck around and find out with um, the toxic jungle. Now, apparently, this isn't the only toxic jungle, but it's one of the biggest and they basically ended up fucking up so badly that they ended up irritating these giant bug fucking monsters and they have these old weapons known as like the the skulls or something like that and wherever they appear or show up or are unearthed these people kind of go crazy after it because it's very powerful and it kinda like shoots these lasers out of their mouth, which is clearly a reference to bombs. I don't wanna talk about it. Whatever, but <laughs> this is the this is the comparison. So yeah. They can basically um, <laughs> fuck up people's lives. So these two countries are trying to become like the top dog and they're like threatened by each other at this point. But what's it called? Uh yeah. N- not the valley of the wind is like right in the middle of these two places up uh, being complete idiots and in fact one area decides to kind of use the valley of the wind because they ended up unearthing one of these bombs so they kind of go in and kill the sickly king because you know the toxic jungle is right there and they have to go in there to get supplies and stuff like that to create their weapons and their tools and you know their stuff and, yeah, they basically slaughter the shit out of the king, which is Narnica's dad, and then sit there and say, we come in peace. Which is so absolutely trashy of them. I'm not gonna fucking lie. I wanted to smack each and every fucking one of them that said that. that so, and said that. I was like, how is it that you come in peace? And then immediately come and attack people. Like, that, what's not clicking? Like, <laughs> like what's not clicking, Steven? Like, mm. But anyways. Uh, they have... They're more advanced, at least when it comes to weaponry. And, of course, due to their interference with the land and stuff like that, the po- the poison pollen ends up spreading to the Valley of the Wind. The princess now has no choice because they're going to end up slaughtering the shit out of her home. And she basically begs their, her like subjects to just... Go along with it and see that you survive, basically. While they kind of take her as prisoner. Mind you, she's still trying to help everything. And she kind of ends up being, the, in a way, like the savior to all these issues. And even sacrificing herself for the betterment of humanity. Even though they keep doing asshole things such as intentionally weaponizing these giant sensitive creatures and doing all types of terrible things she still wants to sacrifice herself for the betterment of humanity and see the good that is left and it is very absolutely gorgeous and the last thing i've seen this weekend anyways is well excuse me the best thing i've seen is whispers of the heart now this is an hour and a half and 50 minutes. So it's a, it's a pretty long Studio Ghibli movie. But I'm not going to lie, it was worth every second. Now, I was kind of fooled by the f- the cover. And I want to beg you, do not be fooled by the cover. Because I personally thought that it was going to be like this like fantastical, whimsical situation. It's not. It's more like magical realism. So I need you to like not associate this with the cat that returns. Even though there is some overlap when it comes to characters. Please don't think that it's going to be the same. Because you will be disappointed. I don't want that from you. (laughs) Anyways. What's going on is that there is this young girl named Seiji. No not Seiji. Uh, Hold on. Shizuki. Shizuku. That's her name. Shizuku. She is your average middle school student. She's a little... You know, honestly, she's a lot like me. <laughs> uh, she's very up in the clouds. Her head is everywhere. She likes to read and she has depression. And she just likes to chill, like to be lazy. She doesn't like to deal with people's bullshit. She's a nice girl, like she's not a bad girl, but she's just not applying herself to anything, and her family kind of highly relies on her. Her dad is a universe is like a library librarian or something along those lines. Her mom is just going for her master's her sister's hardly ever there. And, yeah, she's basically having to do everything on her own. And she doesn't really want that type of responsibility because she's not really about that life. So, their house is always a gigantic fucking mess. And the dad and mom never kind of pressure her to do anything, which, I honestly, I did not experience that. But, whatever. Like... (laughs) They never pressure her to do anything and she kind of feels like they don't really care about her which is unfortunate because they do love her a lot but she doesn't really get that same childhood that everyone childhood that everyone else does around her so she feels kind of half the time and she's a wandering kid now she's she's like an addiction to reading books like me and she's constantly going to the library and she starts noticing that in all of these library books one name is always appearing before hers like constantly 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 she's like who the hell and the name ends up being Seiji and she's like who the hell is this Seiji boy like every book I pick up now has this king name in it what the f- bro like is he beating me to this what the hell and so she's makes it in her mind a mission to find this sagey boy because she thinks you know what this might be my match made in heaven and while she's on a mission to find him she ends up coming across a young boy and he kind of teases her a little bit and basically calls her out for like having her head in the cloud and being kind of forgetful and on her own mind you she is she's just someone who goes with whatever feelings she's feeling at the moment like uh, after she meets the boy, she kind of goes out. She's supposed to run an errand. And she ends up finding herself following a cat uh, that's drained on a train. And following through his life. And falling, fi- uh, falling into a kind of antique shop. And in the antique shop, she finds this old man. And he's just this funny old wise man. And she finds the cat the cat from the cat that returns so if you remember that review here it is and she's like wow this is a very cool thing it's just so cute like I love it and I was like yeah yeah, it's a really cool cat I'm like I hope he comes to life but he never did and so she was like you know I promise I'm going to return and she goes up on her way to do her actual errand well she once again runs across this young boy that she's never met before. But apparently he's in her school. And he knows about her. And they're in the same grade. So then she's just kind of asking around for him. She's like yo like who is this boy? Like we keep coming across. this that in the fourth. And, forth. and but his, like, her best friend really isn't paying any mind to that. Because she currently has a crush on a f- mutual friend of theirs. But that friend of theirs doesn't really see her... As a potential like crush material, because in fact, he sees our girl uh, Shiz- Shizuku as a potential crush for himself. In fact, he's so idiotic with it that he ends up really hurting her best friend's feelings. And when confronted about it, he's just like, Bro, like, I never knew. She's like, Bro, like, you should have known, like, you should have seen it. It was very obvious. And this is all these complicated, like, young teenage feelings where all the little things seem so big and important and that's like like i like that because i'm like that's very realistic to what it feels like to be a teenager all those little things are just so big and so important at the moment it just takes your heart away and I think this movie really expresses that. But of course we find out that that boy that she's been asking about and that Seiji boy who she's been trying to find are one and the same. And in fact he is in any ways kind of perfect for each other even though she doesn't want to admit it to herself. And he ends up helping her find that she does in fact have a dream and this kind of pushes her. Into figuring out what it is, and she realizes that hey, you know what, I might want to be a writer and I want to prove to myself that it's possible. So, for two weeks or something along those lines, she absolutely pushes herself to the brink. I feel like she has like ADHD or something like that, like me, and like she just pushes herself to the extreme and like dedicates her life and her moments to that she, her grade slip her friends are questioning her even got so bad that her own parents are sitting there saying yo what is going on with you and she was like i have something to prove and which i get props to the dad because the dad's like okay you say you've got something to prove fine even when she sits there and says i'm gonna drop out of school i'm not gonna go to school he's like okay uh it's going to be tough if you make the, de- the decision to do that. But he's like, I'm not going to stop you. But I just want you to know, like, it's not going to be as easy as you might think it is. But she doesn't care. She's out here for the fucking goals, I guess. And she does manage to complete her first rough draft. But by mind you, the time that she's doing this, Seiji has to go. He is determined to become a uh, violin maker, like a professional violin maker. So he kind of goes, and she's feeling like she has to catch up, and she has to be on the same level. And I think that's very realistic to many people's personal feelings of life and love and relations, and, you know, just what it is to be human. And that's what I really like about these movies. It's, It's... At the center of it is humanity. And I've really enjoyed all of these so far. And so I'm going to stop this podcast right here because it's gone on for way too long. Um, I'm going to go into a different tangent on another one. But for now, this is the end of this one of my Studio Ghibli week. It's still going to continue, at least until the 9th, which is when it ends. And I only have how many movies to go? One two three four five six seven honestly probably like six and seven because i'm not gonna watch all of them but anywhere from three to five is probably what i'm gonna end up watching so keep in tune for that one because that's coming all right after this it's literally just gonna be a chat because i'm not gonna go into any more reviews thank you guys for being here i hope you enjoyed it and bye